0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of X Knows All. I am so excited for this week's episode. Seeing as Miley Cyrus just dropped her newest single, Flowers, I thought what better time than now to discuss the tumultuous relationship of Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth with none other than Miss Emily Rose from the It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I was featured on her show a couple months ago. We had discussed Nicole Richie the same week that I had dropped my Nicole Richie episode so if you haven't heard that go on over to her show and you know check me out I'll link all of her stuff in the show notes which you'll hear pretty soon but before we dive into the show I wanted to just pop in here give you guys a few updates you know make a few comments and I know a lot of you guys not a lot of you guys but some haters go into my you know my reviews and they'll be like we don't want you to talk about your personal life okay then it's fine Luckily, the episode show notes has time stamps. so if you don't want to hear all my personal musings, even though, you know, that's just, that's half of the fun, is just hearing me gab, then please feel free to go on over to the show note time descriptions and you'll see where exactly you can fast forward to get to the Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth of it all. So what have I been up to? I know I released my Malaysia Airlines flight with Shannon from Fluently Forward and oh my god I am so so happy that I had done that specific episode. Not only am I happy that I covered the Malaysia Airlines flight 370 because it's just such a it's just such a anomaly as to what the hell happened to that flight and the fact that it still remains a mystery is crazy to me but i'm so happy at the same time that i was able to cover that specific episode with shannon because she is kind of the she's kind of the conspiracy queen you know she has she does such great deep dives on her show and i thought who better to join me on the show than shannon so thank you shannon for coming on the show hopefully there's a few more collabs in the future but rest assured this is not the end of my true crime spree on the x knows all podcast i hear you guys and no worries, we'll continue to stick to celebrities. But there are so many true crime stories out there that I am so passionate about. As I said on the Malaysia Airlines flight, I have been into true crime way before it was a thing, way before the podcast, way before everything. Like I was that girl and twelve years old watching 48 hours of mystery with my little sister at 9 p.m. on Saturday nights. Like I would die for it. And before streaming services, that was Netflix and Hulu and HBO Max me and my roommates after we would come home from parties we would be drunk as hell eating all this junk food in my bed watching episodes of 48 hours mystery and again this was like back in like 2010 so it's always been a cry like a true passion of mine right alongside celebrity pop culture and I think there's just so many as I mentioned there's so many cases that blow my mind and I think particularly it's the unsolved mysteries that really grab and hook me and I think those are the most interesting, honestly, to do research on because there's so many theories online about what could have happened. Is this person alive? Are they dead? Did they escape their life? Did they not? Could they have been killed by a random person? Could they have been killed by someone that they, that they know? There's just so much up in the air and I think I thrive really in that ambiguity and that's probably why I like Unsolved Mysteries so much. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear what's next on the x All podcast as we venture more into stories like these, but keeping the pop culture celebrity of it all intact so I'm actually recording this a couple days after I recorded the Malaysia flight the Malaysia Airlines flight with Shannon I am traveling to Austin Texas and by the time this episode drops I'll have I'll be home by now but I mentioned in a couple episodes prior I'm visiting a couple of my friends that moved from San Francisco to Austin so I'm really excited to see them all again and I feel like it's such a destination hub for so many like young professionals that once lived in either LA New York San Francisco everyone's kind of made their way over to Austin or that's at least what it seems for my friend group so I'm really excited to go and I think it's going to be really rainy but it's been really rainy here in California so what's the really what's the difference so I'll update you guys on how that trip goes. One thing I wanted to touch on in terms of just like personal updates, and I think a lot of you guys can probably resonate with what I'm about to say right now. Do you ever feel that sometimes you get yourself into like a toxic cycle? And I'm going to be very vague because I don't, I don't really want to go into detail about what exactly like it is, but I think I'm sure many of you guys can relate whether it's with relationships with like maybe like I don't know, alcohol, maybe some dabble in drugs. Like you always kind of, someone always has like their one kind of true north of what they use to cope. And I think for me, what I've noticed about myself going into 2023 is that I typically, sometimes when I think I've eradicated myself of like bad relationships or bad friendships, I'm like, oh yeah, good job, Christy. Like right on. You know, you got rid of that toxic person and like so proud of you for doing that. Like you're the best, you know, you've got it all handled and that's all well and good until it's not. Okay. Like I sometimes feel like I'll got dive in, I'll leave a toxic situation only to go into another one. And I find that like, this could be masochistic of me and all my friends definitely, they always, call me out for being like a mass kiss they're like you enjoy like pain for some reason like it the discomfort of just being like not fully all the way like content resonates like so well with me that I'm always comfortable sitting in that kind of uncertainty and ambiguity and not really having like a solid ground and that probably speaks about how fucked up I am if I'm being honest but That's kind of just the gray that I live in. And I've noticed that a lot of the times, even though I think I've got everything all together and that I've, you know, I'm finally in my stride, you know, I've started this podcast. I'm not necessarily, I wouldn't say like I'm flourishing on my new job. Obviously with new jobs, it's always very stressful going there, but I really do love my team. I like, you know, the new things that I'm learning at my new job. Like I think that I've kind of turned this new leaf. Um, in twenty twenty three, which is great. But at the same time I still feel like there's this part of me that continues to kind of circle back to this toxicity. And it while it may not be with the same person necessarily, it could be with something else. So like the way I'll put it is like I don't suffer with any alcohol or drug addiction, fortunately. But the best way I can describe it is like let's say you're addicted to like I'm gonna say something like the most egregious thing. Like let's say you're addicted to cocaine. And you're like, okay, I'm gonna give up cocaine for good. All right, clean slate. All right, this is just an example. I'm not saying this is my my truth because it's not. But let's just say, for story purposes, for for use of this, what I'm the point I'm trying to get across. Let's just assume that like you're addicted to cocaine, and then you're like, all right, I'm done with cocaine. Like I'm done using that as a coping mechanism. I am going to eradicate my life of it. I'm gonna start a new leaf. But then that person's like, actually. I'm gonna start using Molly and it's only you know it's recreationally and it's when I go to music festivals and when I want to get it's when I get crazy when I go to raves and like it's fine but like really you think you've eradicated yourself from one issue but then it stems like then it just presents itself in another drug that's kind of how I'm feeling but in like certain relationships that I have if that makes any sense but it's like this is a place that I'm kind of okay with being in and that kind of is like concerning because I'm like why am I always just in this state of like ah discomfort and feeling like I'm not really sure which any which way to go next but I'm kind of fine with it too. I don't know if this resonates with any of you as or if I'm even making much sense but I'd be curious to see if you yourself find yourself back in toxic cycles whether it's with like your relationship with maybe food or with alcohol or with drugs or with friendships or with like dating like what is your toxic thing because I think I've I'm noticing that a lot more I think as like as, as soon as I break away from it I'm getting right back into it before I even know it which is quite concerning let's move on really quickly to the advice segment so I put on my Instagram for those who follow me it's at x on Instagram I promise you I'm such a fun follow I do so much engagement with my with my followers we do a lot of polls just a lot of unhinged content in fact someone literally went on my um, on my reviews the other day and they said her name was her handle was sexy story listener she's a Canadian listener she goes Chrissy's podcast makes me feel like I'm having a gossip session with my BFF Some personal life intrigue and always interesting pop culture deep dives. X knows all. Instagram stories are also hilariously unhinged. No one could give me a better compliment to say that my Instagram stories are hilariously unhinged. That means you see me and we see each other, and that's really all that I can ask for when doing this podcast is being known for my insane behavior and being seen for it. So, needless to say, I, I definitely appreciate that review. So, thank you so much. But all that to say definitely please follow me on Instagram and you will be graced with my hilarious presence and me talking to no one on the Instagram stories. And if you feel so inclined, please give me a, a five-star review. I would so appreciate that. The reviews are the currency. I do the show for free. In fact, I'm in a net negative margin because of all this equipment and time, I'm like literally out money. At the same time, this is a passion project. I'm so happy you guys are here and listening. So if you wouldn't mind just giving it a five stars, following, rating, reviewing, and subscribing, telling a friend. It means more to me than you know, I promise you. I love you guys so much if you do so. In any case, my advice segment. I posted on my story that I'm now having an advice segment of the podcast. And you can send me any advice, any question that you have about what you need advice on. And I'm happy to deliver based on the minimal knowledge that i have because i'm incredibly unqualified to do so but i think it's a fun way to interact with you guys and to know that i care about your problems and i hope to to solve them right alongside you so if you're interested in submitting a question just go on my instagram the link is in the bio you'll go to my link tree and there's a google form that you can fill out that you can put in a question if you wish to remain anonymous i will honor that Also, my link tree is an episode suggestion form. So similarly, with the questions and advice segment, you can go over to the Google form that says episode suggestion and you can submit a celebrity that you'd like me or a case maybe, a true crime case that you'd like me to cover. And if I do end up covering that case, I'll shout you out on the podcast. With all that, let's get into the advice segment. So a lot of you guys actually reached out for questions uh, since I posted. So I'm going to just cover two of the questions the first question comes from Sarah Zamora. She asks, "What are your best budgeting tips for women in their late 20s and early 30 s? Do you consider yourself frugal or spendy, and have you always been that way? All right, I'm gonna be on completely on the record here. I it, this is not my strong suit, okay? I'm a very spendy girl. Ask any of my friends, ask any of my family members. I like the nicer things in life, okay? Always have. And it's really funny because my dad growing up was he's so conscious with money and he's so good with money, and I'm so freaking envious of that, because I think his mom was a lot like that, but it's funny, because my paternal grandfather, on the other hand, so my dad's father was the complete opposite, like, he was, you know, he didn't come, like, he didn't, he didn't he wasn't rich by any stretch of the imagination, but he bought himself like a Rolls Royce. Like he just loved bougier things. Right. So I think I definitely took over my grandfather's side of just liking, liking, you know, nice things. And I think when I first started working and even up to like a couple of years ago, I was like kind of in a phase of having a lot of designer items, like I bought myself an egregiously expensive YSL bag that I truly, that's like my biggest regret. I would never buy a designer bag ever again. And I'm not shading anyone that does, like to each their own. I think they're beautiful. They're a collector's item. They're an investment piece. All that to say, I wouldn't do it again because looking at that YSL bag, albeit it's beautiful, it's not something that brings me joy at all. In fact, I wish I invested that money in elsewhere on a nice vacation or in a CD or in stocks. What I will say with the spending habits that I do go ham for is when I go on vacation. I love to go stay at a super nice hotel. When I'm on vacation, I class it up. I'll stay at the nicest five-star hotel ever because I don't really, other than that, when I'm home, I don't really live a crazy lifestyle. Like I sit at home most weekends. I'll go out with my friends. You know, I'll I'll travel here and there, but I'm not not spending egregious monies on my day-to-day. So when I go on vacation, I really like to like treat myself. And I think working a full-time job and doing this podcast, it feels like that's my only reprieve to like really – take a step back and relax. So that's kind of how I rationalize it. If it's the best way to spend my money, it's probably not. Uh, But it's the way that I enjoy my life. So that's something, a habit that I'm going to continue. The biggest thing that I always want to take away is I quite literally would like to make money when I sleep. And this is quite literally something you can do today. Like it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are, you could do this today. For instance, you could diversify your money through stocks, put enough money in CDs. Obviously stocks are higher risks cds are less risk but when you put your money in a cd even if it's five thousand dollars that will grow in accrue interest as time goes on although you can't touch that money while it's growing in the cd you're quite literally making money while you sleep so i think cds are a really low risk but like maybe not the highest return but you get a return no matter what it's guaranteed i also max my 401k i take advantage of my employer match I also put a percentage of my paycheck and my savings. I think what I do is like very basic and I'm by no means a financial advisor, even though I am an accountant, but like what I do in accounting is nothing to do with like personal finance, which is a common misconception, but those are kinds of things. That's what I do to make sure that I'm setting myself up for success in the future what you don't realize, and I think what a lot of people are doing as they get older, if they're fortunate enough to do so, is like th- thinking of buying a home. And I think one thing I never thought of when I bought my house is how much padding you need. So unlike when I was living in the city in San Francisco, sure, I was like, me and my roommate goals are used to fucking, we would we would shit ourselves laughing because we would be trolling ourselves, saying we would walk outside, breathe, and spend $80 because that was quite literally the truth when I was living in San Francisco. We would walk outside. We one time had this joke where we went to – this ice cream shop and we each got a pint of ice cream because we were too lazy to wait in the 20 minute line. So you go up, buy two pints of ice cream each. We had both spent like 20, like I think it was like $40 each on like two pints of ice cream. And we just like, we didn't even flinch. This is the type of behavior that was normal in San Francisco living in a city. And yes, I was definitely, money was getting flown out the window. And the good thing about owning a home is you're investing your own personal equity. So like money that you're paying towards your mortgage is towards yourself. But what you don't realize, what I think people don't realize, or at least I didn't realize, was how much padding you need when you do buy a home, like savings. Like my roof was leaking last year. So that was like a couple thousand out the door. Or your water heater needs replacement. That's another couple thousand. And there's property taxes. So like there's a lot of things from like a padding perspective that you need to take into consideration when you buy a house. It's not just like, oh, I have a couple, 10, 20, 30 grand for a down payment. Like, no, you should have... Make sure you just are really cautious about the padding you put and what you have in your savings before buying a home because there is going to be inevitable costs that you will never be able to foresee until it happens. And I've learned that the hard way. All right, next question and last question. This question is from Enz. I hope I pronounced that right. She says, how do you deal with and manage stress? Illy, I love you too. So truth be told, I do not manage stress at all. Well, at all. Like... I'm actually probably the worst person to ask this question because when I'm stressed, I let it impact every and all elements of my life. The thing that I do, and it may not be the healthiest coping mechanism, is when I'm stressed, I will do a bunch of things to disallow myself from feeling anything. (laughs) Whether it's like cleaning my kitchen, going, you know, cleaning my bathroom, creating content for the podcast, going to Pilates, hopping on my Peloton, running errands. like I always have to be doing something, otherwise my resting brain gets really anxious if I sit still and just veg out my roommate goals are used to always say like she would you know wake up in the morning and I'd be gone and she's like how much life did you live like I just need to be on at all times and I'm not it's not like a something I'm proud of I actually wish I were better at decompressing because I think my life would be a lot more balanced if I did so the grass is not always greener on the other side I don't judge anyone who fucking watches summer house for 48 hours straight in fact I would absolutely love to do that myself it's like my brain doesn't allow me to and it's like probably something chemically wrong with me but I'm really working on allowing myself and giving myself more space, like literally more space to decompress and have time for myself. And that's a constant thing for me. And I think it's constantly like, it's like having a questioning mindset, right? Even if my brain's telling me like, Oh, you should be doing this. You should be cleaning the kitchen. You should be cleaning the bathroom. You should be vacuuming the floors. It's like, no, you can just chill here because you worked a crazy fucking week. Like it's okay to just relax and that's something I need to actively tell myself in order to create balance, especially if I'm doing this podcast and working. It's like all the more reason to create balance, but it's it's very difficult. One thing I will say that I've, although I do keep myself quite busy and it's something I'm actively working on, I have developed a lot of self-care techniques that I'm very grateful for, such as investing in therapy every other week. I used to go on a weekly basis, but since I've, you know, become more stable and like you know I've been able to process and handle my emotions a lot better I've been able to taper off to every other week which is great I've been working with the same therapist for over five years and she is fantastic she's fabulous she understands every single part of my life and I think if you can't afford it and you can expense it to an FSA or an HSA or you can take advantage of like a Kaiser plan where mental health is free and included in part of your your package. I would definitely try and take advantage of it. I know that some people say that the idea of finding a therapist can be daunting and it absolutely is. I actually tell my friends who ask me like, how do I find a therapist? You should treat it like dating. And I'm being serious. Like I've worked with probably I think three therapists – uh, in my adult life. And the first two were on a less frequent basis because I just didn't jive as well with the last one and the one I'm still working with today. And it's like, be picky because you can't expect yourself to do the work if you don't feel comfortable in that space that you're in with your therapist. And I think being very clear about what kind of therapist you want for me, I just personally wanted a female therapist because I just felt like I, a female therapist could probably relate more to my experiences. And that was a non-negotiable for me for others, they don't really care. They're like, I'll take a man or a woman, no matter what gender I identify with. And that's fine too. Some people like really want to be in person with their therapist. My therapist, she's in the Bay Area. And we've been able to maintain the relationship that we have through Zoom sessions. But if, you know, being in session is really important to you, then I, you know, make that a non-negotiable. I think psychologytoday.com is a really good avenue for you as well. And it's really great because you know, assuming that you have a certain health insurance, like let's say you have Aetna or you have Anthem Blue Cross, you can filter the website such that it'll only filter for therapists that are insured with an Anthem or Aetna Blue Cross. Um, And it'll also say whether or not the therapist is within a sliding scale. So like, let's say, I mean, let's be honest, therapies hella expensive it's it's egregious and it really shouldn't be that expensive like if the U.S. just took a better look at their mental health like budgeting I don't know I wish that it was included just as much as like eye checkups and dental checkups are but unfortunately it's not so I understand that not everyone can afford it out-of-network therapists. I think it's really important that psychology today has those avenues where you can like filter for criteria um, for a therapist to your liking and that's within your budget because that's also very important uh another thing that I do is I like to like do really woo things like I pull tarot cards I like sage I like palo I like palo santo I take a quick walk in my neighborhood with you know my favorite podcasts and my Airbo- uh, airPods. like those are the ways that I like to take care of myself in the way that I feel free and I think being outside even if it's just for 15 minutes I mean I should improve this more because I'm always inside working but just to take a walk outside is so helpful One other thing I'm working on to actively manage my stress is not being as reactive. I think oftentimes when I'm in the heat of the moment being very emotional, I can respond right away because I'm just a reactionary person, a very emotional person. But I think if I just took a step back and waited a couple minutes, an hour, just to respond when I'm less emotional or heated, that would have a lot of benefits in the long term. And finally, some really good advice that a lot of my Instagram followers gave me, especially as it pertains to not being able to sleep, No, no screen time. Like that is so important. I've just been starting to implement that over the past week and it's been a game changer to not be on your phone. I really need to work on that, but I've seen already the fruits of my labor reaching fruition and being able to sleep much much easier. So I highly recommend that. With all that to say... (laughs) That's the advice segment, guys. If you want to submit a question, again, just go to my link tree. It's in my bio on my Instagram at xknowsall. I I will put all the links in the show notes so that you're easily able to submit a question and get uh, maybe responded to on the show. So without further ado, let's go right into the meat and potatoes of the episode. We have Emily from It's Become a Whole Thing. I am so excited for you guys to listen. Bye. And we are back with a very, very special guest, and I don't use that term lightly, and I'm being serious. This is a very special guest. This is a guest that's near and dear to my heart, one of my friends. We have Emily Rose from It's Become a Whole Thing podcast. I've actually been a guest on her podcast once before to discuss the one and only Nicole Ritchie. Emily has nearly 300,000 followers on TikTok. She's motherfucking famous, like I hope to be. She's the host of the incredibly successful podcast It's Become a Whole Thing that focuses on celebrity gossip, beauty standards, diet culture, reality TV, cults, PR crises, early 2000s nostalgia, celeb astrology. It's truly an everything of the sort show, and I love it because it's just, it's every one of my interests kind of wrapped into one. not to tease it, but she is kind of coming out with a bit of a rebrand that I'm sure she can speak to if you go over to her show. But I'm really excited for whatever comes next for Miss Emily Rose. She's an all around TBH, just a hilarious girl whose humor is exactly what I love and appreciate. Please welcome to the show, Emily. How are you doing today?
1: Um, amazing now. Like, my gosh, I'm I'm going to play this back to myself when I need to hype myself up, which is often. So <laughs> that was amazing. Um, thank you so much. And yeah, you said it well. Um, yeah, my podcast is about a smorgasbord of topics. Um, but I can just, you know what, I'll just say it now. This can be an X knows all exclusive. Um, <laughs> I'm doing a rebrand of my podcast. It'll be out in the next week or two. Um, week or two.
0: Okay. Think, that's that's yeah. fast
1: maybe uh, yeah actually <laughs> i pretty sure i got to i got to like tinker with some dates i got to like get to the whole thing laboratories and <laughs> see when when my experiment will be ready no but i'm going to be um i'm going to be switching over to a recap podcast so i'm going to be watching unhinged early 2000s reality shows probably some current shows as well um but i'm going to start with jersey shore season 1 um just lightning in a bottle of a show yeah from the from the beautiful time when uh reality show was untainted by social media and everyone being uh, a little more self-conscious of their image so I'm very excited for
0: it when you told me you know we talk about the podcast collective a lot on this show like I bring it up we have this slack channel where there's a bunch of us just you know supporting each other and I dm'd Emily yesterday I'm like hey I miss you like I know that you're taking a bit of a hiatus to take a rebrand, refresh, identify what content you want to take moving forward, et cetera. I'm like, what's the show? Like what's the direction? What's it going to look like? And when she said rebrand podcast, I mean, rewatch podcast. And when I asked her the show and she said Jersey shore season one, like my body came out of like my spirit came out of my body. I was so excited because Jersey shore. And I will say this, like I'll take this till the day I die. Jersey shore seasons one and two will forever remain the best reality TV anyone has ever seen. And it was like you said, I love that you said lightning in a bottle because you cannot take that messy of a cast, put them in that time period pre-Instagram, pre-social media, pre-anything where there were no like camera phones, take them and put them in the messiest environment where they're just getting girls, calling girls grenades and landmines. And like, it was pure like i get like a, a visceral reaction in my body because it was such dynamite i'm so excited
1: oh oh my god yeah yeah you really said it well like yeah there there were no um yeah there were no phone like camera fo- what do you like smartphones um yeah. just just pure unfiltered um non politically correct uh shenanigans yeah, no, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're excited because I first told the Podcast Collective um, about it. I was very nervous to even just say it out loud to anyone. Then I told um, the folks on my Patreon. I have a weekly episode on Patreon, so I've been keeping those going during the hiatus. And they were into it, so I'm like, all right, I'm just going to put it out to the world and tell people that if um, they like it, great. And if they don't, um, to, yeah, just maybe um not let me know in the reviews or write it in their journal or find another constructive <laughs> way <laughs> of getting it out of their system
0: <laughs> this is why I love you dude you're so like your humor and I tell this to you all the time when I'll, I'll be listening to your show like in the car or I'll be cleaning and I'll be actually cackling like and I'll be by myself dead by myself in my house and I'll ping you I'll be like I'm listening and I'll be like in a deep archive episode from like you know like early 2021 i like Emily this thing that you said i'm actually on the floor dying and you're like your humor is so motherfucking on point and it's very specific like i always say like me and my friends always say i'm i know i'm fucking funny but if you don't think i'm funny then you're not smart. Like same goes for you. Like you're funny, <laughs> yeah. but if you don't think you're funny, then you're not smart to me because it's very intelligent, kind of like highbrow humor. But anyways, you guys, you have to listen to Ellie's show. If you don't already, I know that we have a lot of parallel listeners and there's a, we did a Venn diagram. It would aggregate in the middle, but no, your, your show is so funny. And I just, I fucking love, I love your humor. It's the best.
1: Oh my God. Well, I'm a, I'm a girly who like words of affirmation are like my love language. I'm just like, I'm just living my best life right now. I was having like a real hot mess of a day, but I'm like, I'm back on track now with your lovely words, Christy. And likewise, like, I mean, I mean, we love what we love what each other puts out to the world. And I just, I feel like if I have these peers in my life, um, like you and like the collective, I just, it's like, Okay, I know I'm doing something right. If 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 that's what, who's around me, you know.
0: Yeah. No. A- absolutely. And I know that during the New Year, like, sorry, we're just like gushing on each other, but it, it just needs to be said because I think there's a sorry, lot of things guys. behind the scenes. Sorry, but I, yeah, there's a lot of things that go on behind the scenes that, like, you know, us as content creators, and podcasters, you know, you and Shannon are super big on TikTok, like it takes a lot to put yourself out there and to not only like be the face of whatever it is you're putting out, but also just like consume criticism, but also like really positive reviews at the same time. And it it takes... Sometimes it feels isolating. I can't even imagine if I were a content creator in this pop culture space doing it in a silo on a separate island and not having the relationships that I have with you girls. And it would feel very isolating and very difficult and I would feel incredible burnout. But I think during the new year when it kind of all came around, we were all chatting. It was like, I'm so happy that we met each other. It feels like we're a bunch of best friends talking with each other supporting each other bouncing ideas off of each other giving each other tips on how to improve the show what have we done if we you know if we're starting a patreon for the first time how did you do it it's such a great community of people we can like it's like this linkedin crew almost like it's peer against peer mentor versus mentor It's, it's so beautiful to see and i think that if anything like even though i make zero money from this show it's like i'm just so grateful for the relationships i've built with all of the content creators like yourself as well as with my listeners I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way even though as you were just talking about how burnt out we are I'm sure you feel the same the same sentiment
1: oh yeah yeah and and I mean to be fair I'd probably be burnt out in whatever I'm doing I'm just like a tired person um and right now I'm tired with content creation um but I'm like I'm also just yeah that is just also I think fundamentally where I'd be with whatever projects but at least this is something that like feeds my soul um yeah I love it
0: yeah yeah I'm well so happy to have you here let's dive into the meat and potatoes of the episode um now that we spent eight minutes just gabbing with each other and just saying how much we love one another <laughs> um so today as no surprise you've seen on the episode title we're talking about the relationship of Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth so before we kick off the actual meat potatoes of like the timeline of their relationship, Emily, what was your relationship with each of them separately and them as a couple?
1: Okay, so um, I would have answered this differently a couple weeks ago, um, but so a few weeks ago I'd put out um, on my Patreon a deep dive just about Miley, um, and because I've been doing like a series on just the girls, and I was, I think I got really swept up in like, sort of TikTok discourse which is very often very black and white very like they're problematic ah. and Miley Cyrus has done a lot of things that are highly questionable some that are not so great um but I was like sort of leading with that I think because that's just what gets brought up along with her name but I'm a fan like and and I think after putting out that episode and people in the comments being like, "No, I, I am a fan. Like, it's fine. I know she's done some shit, but like, I also like her music. I'm like, no, me too. I'm just gonna say it. Like, I um I've loved her music. Basically, like, started listening since like Can't Be Tamed. Like, I just love that. That was like her foray out of um Disney, and like, she fucking meant it. She cannot be tamed. Um, and yeah, I I mean, maybe we'll get into this more um down the line, but like. I'm, I'm not like the other girls Um, my favorite <laughs> album is Miley Cyrus and her dead pets uh, it's so weird um, interesting and I, yeah so <laughs> I'm different no but I really I really do just genuinely love that that weird ass album Um, so yeah and then Liam I am completely indifferent to <laughs> yeah. besides like the gossip that comes out I'm interested in reading that but like him as a person zero thoughts or opinion or concern other than like how
0: he relates to Miley sure right like the the fodder around him is simply like yeah his parallels in with Miley and their their relationship Because I feel like you can't there's a lot of people in the industry that have developed relationships the first person that comes to mind is Selena Gomez and Justin Justin Bieber when they started dating she was more of like his girlfriend because she was more of a Disney girl she was on Wizards of Waverly Place but her stardom blew up simply because and I don't want this to sound misogynistic or anything. This is just, to me, a fact. Her stardom blew up because she was dating him. And now she's obviously a completely separate celebrity as- apart from him in her own right. They're still oftentimes intertwined and discussed in celebrity fodder, but at the same time, she's an A list celebrity as Selena Gomez. Not Selena Gomez is ex, you know, ex girlfriend of Justin Bieber. I think that Liam, if you juxtapose that with Liam, he's never been able to be a separate celebrity on his own right, separate from Miley. And I think. At the early onset of his career, when they started the last song in two thousand nine, that's when he really came out uh, as you know a full fledged like star. He was the hot guy on new guy on the go- on the block, He was dating one of the biggest you know teeny bopper celebrities uh, of our generation, you know in the 2010s era. And then he went on to the Hunger Games, and you know he was alongside Jennifer Lawrence, Josh Hutcherson. That was the biggest like franchise that the world had ever seen at that point. But then at the same time, he still wasn't ever able to reshape his career into Liam Hemsworth on its own, despite even being attached to the biggest franchise ever at that point. So, and I think to this date, I was when I was talking to my sister yesterday about when I was doing a Miley and Liam episode, we were like, he almost had a moment, but then he just never let that moment really veer into its own direction. And so I think I completely agree with you when it comes to Liam of like the feeling of indifference. It's like, well he's just kind of there and I know him in tangent with Miley and my relationship with Miley is very much like I've really enjoyed her throughout the entirety of her career I think I've aged out I've talked about this a lot like I'm I aged out of like the Hannah Montana era of Disney like I I stopped watching Disney Channel at that point so I wasn't necessarily a fan of her during that like kid show but I was definitely a fan of her music I think out of any of the Disney stars she has the most powerhouse voice and I say that over Demi I think that her voice is so raw and gritty and husky and I I I love her her music and I loved her Jolene era but yeah I feel the same way I know it's kind kind of going on various different tangents but yeah Liam is just kind of there and I don't really I think he's hot but like other than that don't really have much opinions
1: yeah, well that's where it it just comes down to star power at that point. Like he is obviously an attractive guy. He's been in, you know, big productions, but but he just doesn't have that it factor and Miley really has that it factor that you, it's just like you can't even you you can put numbers to it, but in some ways you just can't define it.
0: Yeah he doesn't that yeah I think that you hit the nail on the head the star power the star quality of it all he just it's non-existent for him and I think Miley she grew up in the industry she's been doing this since she was a little kid like she just has that sparkle to her that Liam never had and I think a lot of that was the storyline for their relationship was that she was a shining star this girl that you know quote-unquote can't be tamed you know she was this wild child trying to identify who she was figure out her identity all the while Liam's kind of sitting there on the back merging just waiting for her to be, you know, calmed down and being that wife that he always wanted and having them be able to create the family they've always wanted. When in fact, I think now the narrative is, is, is changing. So let's kind of dovetail that into like pre flowers. Cause I think a lot of discussion is now being had about what their relationship truly was. Did you buy into that narrative that I kind of just touched on of like, she was this wild child that couldn't be taped. He was just this like chill Australian guy who wanted to start a family. And it was kind of her fault that the relationship crumbled.
1: Oh no. I mean, I always defer to it's the man's fault or it's either no one's fault or the man's fault. I'm just like, (laughs) that's just always going to be my bias. Um, or, but also I, I, I do think too, that, um, stars don't have the same type of like relationships or relationship rules that we have, like where it's just like two people, like really for like, your average folk, it's it just mostly has to do with the dynamics between the two of you. And like sometimes, you know, there can be interference from like family or friends or whatever that can affect the relationship, but overall it's mostly just the two of you. And with stars, it's like there's just like there's teams and like people are away from each other a lot. And it's just a very different thing. So it's not even like I would evaluate it through the regular lens of like, you know, who who did what or you know if that makes sense.
0: No, it does. And I listen to the Demois podcast a lot. She always says that she's always shocked by the difference in like, to your point, the relationship in Hollywood versus like a normal relationship in like you and I's life. It's, it's vastly different. And she always says, I forgot like the percentage that she actually gave, but she, she essentially said the majority of Hollywood relationships are open. Even though you think that this couple looks picture perfect on the outside, they're so in love with one another. Yeah, that's, that's not say that they aren't in love with one another. However, in order to sustain that relationship, to keep them continuing to love each other, they have to kind of like dip their toes in different waters, so to speak. Due to the lifestyle, yeah. due to the money, due to this time apart. So it's yeah, we can't really compare the way that I would view my friend's relationship to Miley and Liam's. It's just vastly different.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like just because you know, some people might have an open relationship, but don't want the world to know. So they're not going like, to agree to it that they do have an open relationship because they don't want like every person in the world, you know, DMing them to hook up. Um, They might just want to be quietly open or whatever. So I think a lot of people have that dynamic. And that's another reason why I don't look at like, oh my God, he was a cheater. She was this, she was that. Like, it's, it's just, it's a lot more murky than that.
0: Yeah. And with the Flowers music video, people are saying, and to be honest, I'm not sure exactly where the figure 14 times comes out, but people are saying, oh, Miley's basically admitted that Liam cheated on her with like 14 different women or 14 times. What, so based on that, do you believe just based on like your knowledge of Miley, do you think they had, you know, what Dumois says is like a typical Hollywood relationship where it's like open or do you think that she thought they were monogamous and like Liam was stepped out on her?
1: I'm not I guess I'm not too sure, but I I do I do think that um, whether they were open or not, I mean maybe uh, it, it's likely there was like something unconventional, but from how angry she is, it does seem like also there was betrayal. Um, but I was just reading an article, um, and by reading article I mean watching a TikTok um, about. <laughs> Uh, about it was like all these (laughs) it was all these statistics uh (laughs) glad glad you appreciate that one um it it was about how it was about when women are more successful than men um men are like three times more likely to cheat on them and it was like when um it was this crazy statistic that was like when women make more than 40 percent of the household income they're um it's likely to cause resentments among with the male partner. And it's like, if, shut up. If the, yeah, if they're making less than sixty percent of the household income, so conversely, you know, then they're going to be throwing a hissy fit. And so I'm, I just that's what I feel like is more um, at play even than maybe cheating. But I don't. That's just like a
0: hunch. But I don't. I don't know. So oh my gosh, that statistic. Blows my mind, but at the same time, it doesn't surprise me. And I always, I feel like I was reading this review the other day and someone was like, your takes are on Instagram are hilariously unhinged. And like it's the things that I say on my Instagram stories, it's like someone, it's like the the deepest part of my brain will just come out and it's like word (laughs) vomit. Like I can't control myself. And I always say, this could be a controversial take. I don't want someone who makes less money than me. Like, I want someone who makes a bit more money than me. And maybe it's baked into the idea that I don't want to be motherfucking cheated on. Like, I don't want to be the one picking up the slack. Okay. Like, I don't want you to cheat on me because I make more money than you. Like, this is, this just goes back to my theory about me dating someone who's richer than me. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to handle any of that. But I think that's totally a fair point to make about Miley, is her stardom was, his stardom was so eclipsed by hers that there is no way if that article, quote unquote article is <laughs> in fact true, which I believe that makes complete sense to me. It sounds like a reasonable assumption, he, there is no way that he would grow, not grow resentful. Yeah. Oh, totally. Totally. I yeah. I yeah, I I completely believe that to be to be true. So let's dive into the actual like dating timeline of their relationship. Cause it's I didn't realize this about how up and down it was. I knew that they got engaged and they called off the engagement, but it happened actually like multiple times where they would get engaged, break it off, get engaged, break it off. It was exhausting. And it spanned over, you know, let's see, about a decade long period. And I can imagine that being young and impressionable, they both were young and impressionable. I didn't realize, I thought for some reason he was much older than she was. She's like about like our age. Um, But she was 17 years old when they met, and Liam was 19. For some reason, I thought he was, like, 25. But then I think I got that confused with, remember, Justin Gaston, her ex-boyfriend? Oh, yeah, yeah. When she was, like, 16, and he was, like, 22.
1: Yeah, yeah, right, right. I guess Liam's just a lot taller. So I I think I thought he was older, too. But he's just, like like, I feel like he's, like, double her mass.
0: Yeah, yeah 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 and she's like she's like a tall i feel like she's kind of tall as well but like he's just such a you know burly bigger man and yeah i just i just assumed he was like 25 and she was 17 but no when they met on the set of the nicholas sparks movie the last song in 2009 she was 17 he was 19 before we dive into this i want to ask what are your what are your thoughts on that movie
1: i never saw it i'm i feel like i for like i know it's like it's like such a i don't know like scandal non-scandal but like i just haven't seen movies like i just have not any movie that people are like oh you like everyone has to have seen this movie i haven't seen it it's just like it's it's terrible and i'm like it's basically my job at this point to comment on pop culture um i'm trying to be better about it but that's that's where we're at, so yeah, I but I do, but I was following the drama of it at the time, like I was reading it on Perez Hilton, like I remember, oh yeah. S- I remember reading all about this and like seeing, yeah, it being this like very faded like they're doing this romantic movie, and then they're together and everything, and yeah, so per- peripherally
0: the drama from it I enjoyed, and I think that's all that matters. It's just it's less about the film and more about like the the story surrounding. The production of what what the hell was going on I remember I read the book this is back in my like Danielle Seal era not that I ever read Danielle Seal, but I was like a big Nicholas Sparks girly because I thought I was so refined and like adult because I was <laughs> at like 16 years old I was reading the last song and like the notebook and I was like oh gosh I'm such a romantic but I remember thinking <laughs> I'm the an book old was soul. Like a, I'm such an old soul you know <laughs> and I remember being so enraptured in the movie and the book, and I actually thought it was a fabulous, fabulous movie. And, like, I haven't granted, I haven't seen it since I watched it back when it released in 2009, so it's been over a decade since I've seen it. So who's to say – I just think of that, like, that one film – that one clip when she's, like, singing Maroon 5's She Will Be Loved. And he's like, man, you got a a good voice, like, in his, like, weird, like, fake Southern – accent. Um but that movie was just so cute, so poignant and I loved that I was so in love with their love story. I was like I love that they met while working together and you know they're they're just like meant for each other, the OTP. I don't know, I was a big fan. But since that movie dropped in 2009, they go through this sequence of like getting together, breaking up, having this like almost rinse and repeat cycle. So, 2009 the last song is released uh they were confirmed as a couple august 2010 so no more than a year after they had announced their confirmation of their relationship they split up but then just a month later they're spotted back together again on september 11th 2010 grabbing lunch and a coffee to go then a month later they break up again in november 2010 but then just they got engaged two years later in may 2012 so it's like at this point it had only been three years since they first came out with the last song together and they had already broken up twice and gotten engaged then breakup rumors swirled a year later in march 2013 miley cyrus came out on twitter on march 6 that she did not end her engagement to liam hemsworth despite all the tabloid fodder that they did she said quote i am so sick of la and i'm sick of the lies that come with it i didn't call off my wedding i'm taking a break from social media hashtag draining but it seemed that there actually was some way to those breakup rumors because just a month after she released that tweet in April 2013, they postponed their wedding. And a source says they're still engaged. They're living together. They just realized realize that there is no rush with the wedding. and It's better that they waited out of bit. And another source says they don't want to get married until they figure out their problems. But Miley is very worried about losing Liam. She is crazy about him. So I think... a what do you think based on what you were like, you said you did a Miley deep dive around like, I, I'm assuming, did you cover like this kind of like this year of like the kind of up and down, up and down?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she, she does like, you know, you, you said it like here in your notes where it's like, she had a lot of lyrics about, um about him not being there for her and not treating her well. And it's like, it's so interesting. Cause like when I talk about her scandals, quote unquote, like at the beginning of the show like I I mean like the scandals to me which is a lot of like just cultural appropriation things um but her actual like what the media would deem her scandals which was basically like her being a young person and partying was not actually like a scandal it was like oh my god she's 21 and she's wearing skimpy outfits and like drinking it's like okay (laughs) I don't know it was just it was such a scandal I guess because she was like the kind of wildest disney ex disney child um but yeah the the press was just so focused on that but but yeah she she was i mean and just the fact that they were so tumultuous like it, it does take two to tango um but i think it's easy to blame the the one who's like the media's like she's crazy
0: yeah wait so i'm curious actually about the cultural appropriation moments because i don't think i like i didn't dive too, i can think of like maybe, like, appropriating Black culture, but, like, what specific things did you come up with in your show and your research that, like, you were, like, oh, this probably wasn't called out at that time because we weren't having the same conversations as we're having today in 2023, but what, looking back in hindsight, what are some moments that you're, like, oh, that's probably, like, not great?
1: Well, I I guess it's just the fact that, like, her whole Bangers era, like, I'm not saying you can't be, like, inspired by um, Black culture and, like, you know, you can, but there's like a really there's like a way to ap- appreciate it, and there's a way to like use um, f- people as props when you're young, and then when you get older to just like reject it all. So during, I like just brief segue, like basically during her yeah. whole bangers era, she she had, I mean she had songs like 23 where she was singing like in the club high on perp, like and and like with my shades on, like t- talking about smoking blondes, um working with Mike Will. Um, all of her backup dancers were black, like twerk, you know, twerking. She was like, I'm the twerking queen. Okay. And then she gets, she turns, you know, mid twenties and all of a sudden she not only rejects it, like she takes this full departure where she makes this statement in an interview saying, oh, I like, that's so not me. I think that's so wrong. Like rap is so, um, derogatory to women and like what I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to make music for everyone now this was during her younger now um era which was her worst music in my opinion and by music for everyone you mean like white people music <laughs> like you're literally it's like country and like not country but kind of like pop sort of like radio pop and so it's just it's the fact that she just used all that to like leverage her career and then was like okay no, never mind. Like I'm going back, and I don't. It's so disrespectful. It's like, oh, how convenient.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's almost like she's denouncing what, like, really created her career, like her boom, and like to be a full fledged star. Because I think Bangers today is recognized as her best album. People still talk about that era in her life being like that was Miley's peak, and I think the way that Miley's career is kind of spiral not not spiral like in a bad way i just mean like the way that it's kind of evolved is a better word the way that miley's career has evolved has always been through different phases and i think a lot of artists do this all the time like taylor swift for instance you know 1989 was very pop you know uh then you go into like the folklore evermore whether it's more woodsy and kind of folksy and then yeah. now she's in her minutes era which is a bit more 80s kind of inspired but then you juxtapose out and for some reason when taylor makes these transitions it makes sense Like, I don't know how to describe it, but, like, I like the way she brands it. Whereas Miley, I never know what the hell she's doing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I'm all for her rebranding, too. Like, I love her current rock era. I like all the different, like, music she's experimented with. But, like, I really believe, like, there's just every genre of music has derogatory, like, elements Mm -hmm. that are, like, derogatory to women, all these problems to it. And it's really easy to single out rap, but it's, like, okay, well, you know. It's just, it's very, it's just very convenient timing and, and it would be like, I don't know, it would be like if <laughs> Taylor like switched over to folk and then she's like, pop is disgusting. Like, you know, when yeah. pop is what, what gave her her 1989 fame and everything. So it was just, it was just unnecessary in that way. But that was, that was kind of where I took issue, but yeah, not, nope. not with a lot of her other, um, I don't know, just controversies.
0: Yeah. I think that the controversies surrounding her are consistently, you know, the the one I can completely remember where I was when I watched the VMA performance with, with, um, uh, mm-hmm. blurred lines. And she had yeah. the, the, the pink, the finger, and then she was twerking up against, um, what's his name? Robin Thicke. Robin Thicke. Why did I want to say Rob Lowe? Which I know is wrong. <laughs> like Robin Thicke. Uh. And being shocked at being like, "What we've never seen. That was like her first departure out of the the Disney character that she once was to like adult, full-fledged pop star. And just being like, I remember my jaw was a gape, being like, what is happening? What's going on? But people were leaning into it, but at the same time, it's like that's what kickstarted your career. And now you're like denouncing it years and years later in your younger now era, which to your point completely flopped. No one gave a shit about that album. I feel like that was like her weirdest kind of like diversion from like who really is Miley it was a very weird point in her in her career that's really shocking because I've always kind of I've always like liked Miley because I always felt like she was unapologetically like herself like all I always felt as if she kind of just beaded by the tune of her own drum but it's really kind of interesting to see her denouncing like that air in her life that brought her so much fame and recognition to begin with
1: yeah, yeah, um, totally. But yeah, that's just like my my little aside soapbox rant.
0: No, I I love it. Like I we we the the public needs to know. Um, so if we go into bangers like you were talking about and all of the kind of shade she was throwing at Liam, it feels as if the public wasn't recognizing what these lyrics were necessarily saying. I mean, maybe they weren't. I just wasn't listening to. I mean, I wasn't reading the same news articles at the time. But I always felt like she's this girl that can't be tamed she's a wild child she's doing perp you know sipping scissor up in the club doing molly and snorting (laughs) blow in a bathroom like she's just being miley you know and so but i think at the same time it's like no there was actually a lot more dark not sinister because it sounds like there was like heavily heavy abuse but like it just seemed a little bit darker than i ever would have imagined when i did a bit of a deeper dive into the lyrics today so there was essentially her was what she was doing on bangers the majority of the album was just like screaming that liam wasn't treating her well and he wasn't there for her and everyone was so focused on her partying but the truth was always kind of just like the proof was in the pudding the proof was in the lyrics so i think we're all pretty well learned on wrecking ball that was one of her best hits she said i never hit love so hard all i wanted was to break your walls all you ever did was break me which is pretty self-explanatory track 10 is titled "Fu." you it says i found the love i thought was going to last and i accidentally saw a few things on your cell track four called sms bangers it says one day he wants me one day he wants me not i don't i don't do chances i don't do chances because time isn't what i got so it's like okay he gives her mixed signals and then Track number nine, titled "Drive," it says, "You acted like you wanted this, but then you left me off. All the broken promises, I won't miss. When I look you in the eyes, all I see here are lies." So pretty, like scathing accusations, just from a few of these lyrics. I didn't even at this time when the when the album was released. I'm like, did you were you like, oh, this motherfucker is cheating on her? Like I didn't hear those. No, I was just,
1: stories. I was just bopping along. I was just, <laughs> I was just like, "This is a great album," not thinking into the lyrics at all.
0: Yeah, and I think it's like, how are we not? How are there not more like press about like his dis- indiscretions? Like, I just feel like this is a her like pleading with the public, like this man is cheating on me. But no one ever paid attention to it. I'm curious if you think now, if this were released today, do you think there will be more speculation? I feel like there would be just because yeah. people are so online like there will be so yeah. much more lo- looking into with a Like, well who was Miley what was on Liam's cell definitely
1: definitely because at the time like this is really emblematic of the time that everyone was just like whoa Miley's partying so crazy and like now I feel like yeah if if
0: a, a star was of age and they were singing about partying like no one would care yes I I I love that you said it's emblematic of the time because it's so true. I think that we were so, the conversation was so different back in the day. It's more of just like, look at this wild child ex-Disney star turning into like a crazy person. And I think now, like with the conversation moving, you know, from like, you know, women supporting women, empowering women, allowing them to be exactly who they are. It's like, I feel like we wouldn't even be discussing her insane antics. Rather, we'd be like pointing more to like, what did he do to her type type conversation um in 2013 after like you know their breakup had been confirmed she started dating Patrick Schwarzenegger oh my god do you remember these photos of him in Cabo when he was dating Miley and he was allegedly cheating on her do you remember those headlines
1: yes and I'm also just like now as you're bringing up this relationship, I'm also just like imagining this alternate reality where they had stayed together, and she would be Chris Pratt's sister-in-law.
0: Like, stop, <laughs> stop. I'm triggered. Trigger warning. <laughs> oh my god, I forgot about the the Katherine Schwarzenegger, or Chris Pratt of it all. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh would my that,
1: god, wouldn't that be if- wild? Like,
0: <laughs> I, I hate, like don't even get me started on chris pratt because i i will be an auto Ferris stand till i die i used to be obsessed with yeah. her podcast unqualified she is the sweetest person ever and i know he did her dirty and i feel like she's going through a lot of shit right now that i think he fucked her up but i i hate that alternate universe because i feel like miley would not even want to associate herself with chris pratt because he's just a oh. nothing of a human yeah um, she's an everything of the sort girly but what were your thoughts of those? I remember being, I remember exactly where I was working when I was like, I was supposed to be working and I was like, like trolling Daily Mail and TMZ and Press Hilton being like, I need to see more pictures of Patrick Schwarzenegger cheating on her with a sorority bitch from US. <laughs> For like, seeing, like, reading about how Miley would sometimes, pre the cheating scandal, Miley would be on the USC campus, like, visiting him. They'd be, like, roaming, like, the fraternity row and, like, USC. I just remember being so shocked by this. What were your thoughts on, like, the relationship between her and Patrick?
1: I think, I guess I just, maybe I just never thought it was going to last. Like, I kind of feel like, I mean... Even though I'm saying, like, oh, the media shouldn't have just painted her out to be just a wild child. At the same time, she is, like, an eccentric person. Like, and it's not like she needs to be with someone who's, like, crazy off the walls. But, like, I kind of felt like Liam was the exception. And then after that, like, she just, I I just didn't see her with this, like, all-American, like, blonde, you know, I don't know, like, celebrity's kid. Like, he, and he just always seemed kind of, like, eh to me. So I was like... All right, like let's let's wrap this up.
0: Yeah, I've Patrick Schwarzenegger, I always thought was such a cutie. And I know he's he's been dating Baskin Champion, I think that's her name, for years and years now. And I just a quick plug into my favorite show, probably one of my favorite shows ever besides White Lotus, is The Staircase on HBO Max. Oh he's in it. Have you seen it?
1: Um, I was told okay, so I was told about the staircase. It's true crime, right? Mm-hmm. So there was this was in a group chat another group chat outside of the podcasting one there was like someone was asking for recommendations for what to watch and the staircase was suggested and I was like should I watch it and it was like no don't watch it because I'm I'm a wimp and like those types of things ruin my life but I'm still thinking of just ruining my life with it
0: it's it is so good so a lot of people were familiar with the case just because Netflix had had done a, a docu series on it it was like a nine-part docu series. I admittedly didn't even watch the docu series, but the HBO Max, the staircase, is a, fic- it's like a dramatized, it's just like the actors are playing what happened. And Patrick Schwarzenegger does a fabulous job. Like he was so good in it. And I was actually blown away by his performance because he plays as like one of the sons of the alleged. Or convicted murderer, basically. Oh no, sorry, he wasn't convicted. He he ends up just he getting out scot free. Sorry, spoiler spoiler alert. But Patrick Schwarzenegger plays this really kind of like complex character in which he's kind of seen as this like A plus kid, the family favorite. But as the family is going through all this trauma, as the the husband and the father is going through the criminal justice process, Patrick Schwarzenegger ends up being kind of like the troubled kid who turns to alcohol and drugs to like deal with all the trauma that's going on within the family unit and anyways that's a bit of a diversion but I I was just like I thoroughly enjoyed his character on the show and it's one of the best like dramatized true crime shows I've ever seen and I think anything on HBO Max just goes it's just like platinum it's so good um so I definitely recommend watching that but I remember like kind of rooting for them because I felt like oh Miley deserves her happy ending because she had been off the heels of the Liam breakup. And I felt like Patrick Schwarzenegger was just like so cute. And I felt like, oh, this man's going to treat her right, naively. But then, of course, I was certainly proven wrong by these photos of him cheating on her. And I just remember being so distraught for her. Because I was like, this bitch can't find a man that will treat her right. It's like, you could literally be the hottest, most famous, richest celebrity ever and still have these motherfuckers cheating on you.
1: Oh, my God. Uh- like more often I feel like more like hot
0: celebs are getting cheated on than regular folks and it's it almost feels like it's this dynamic or this complex that the man will create within himself that like I've gotten the hottest person that I will ever get so now it's like I just have my pick of the litter I just think of like Amrata for example when like Sebastian McClurd or whatever cheated on her it's like I think she attributed it to like the dynamic that he created with him within himself of like, I've landed the hottest woman on the planet and now I can just be a complete, I can flick, just fuck around and have her find out later. Um, Yeah. It's just disgusting. Yes. It's disgusting. Um, So in 2016, they were rumored to be back on again. And then specifically in January, 2016, just a few days after New Year's Eve, they were spotted at the falls music festival in Australia by January 18th, 2016, they were officially engaged again. And there was this really uncomfortable photo that Miley posted of her family and Liam during the holidays. And like, I posted it on the outline and I'll post it on the Instagram I, at expo's all. What I, were your I thoughts on you that? I remember where, where I was when I saw this
1: photo. Like, <laughs> I, cause I love an awkward, an awkward, like, group dynamic photo. Like, it's so awkward. Like, everyone is just like smiling. <laughs> like like gritting through their teeth like barely smiling billy ray's not smiling at all liam is doing this like half like oh well, i'm here
0: <laughs> yeah and he's like he's like he's like four feet in front of the rest of the family with his hands by his side like like clasp uh clasp towards like his well, groin like it's just so
1: well awkward. to be fair yeah i mean i i do kind of relate to that like i never really know what to do with my hands in photos um especially like a group photo where like because miley's like not she should have put herself on the end so they could just like be together but he's not be together. Like he's not gonna put his hand around billy ray so he's just like, oh,
0: yeah. like <laughs> you know like. Yeah. it's so it's so uncomfortable but i think it's like such a good because i feel like the narrative that's been created of that relationship is like he's from this cool son like australian nuclear family and she's from this wacky kind of hollywood mixed family so it's just like a complete diversion of like their upbringings and it's just so clearly captured in in this photo so December 23rd, 2018, they get married in a private ceremony. Three days later, Miley finally confirms that, yes, they did, in fact, get married. There was a lot of speculation ahead of those days before she confirmed it. However, less than a year later, in August 2019, they separate, and by the end of the month, Liam officially files for divorce from Miley. Months after their divorce was finalized, Miley sat down for an interview with Joe Rogan, and she shared that going through the divorce with Liam in the public fucking sucked she said quote what really sucked about it wasn't the fact that me and someone that i loved realized that we don't love each other the way that you that we used to anymore that's okay i can accept that i cannot accept the villainizing and just all of these stories and of course there's all these like videos that have since circulated since she just most recently released her flower song you've probably seen this on tiktok because all you know the for you pages are all like similar but there's this video that's been circulating of them on the red carpet where she it's kind of gone viral where she's like pretend to like licking him on the red carpet and emails behaviors why don't you behave yourself just once have you seen that and what are your thoughts yeah yeah I have yeah yeah I mean that that seems to be like the dynamic like he was just a wet
1: blanket um and was just, just like often embarrassed of her and it's like you know you're with Miley Cyrus. Like, what do you think, what do you think she's going to do? It's like the classic, like, did he think he could like change her? And it's like the whole reason why they got married in the first place. I, I feel like it was just pure trauma bonding Um, from yes. the trauma of like their house burning down. It was like, it was just this, like such a, just, I mean, I know that um, when people like, lo- you know, are have a house fire and lose all their things. I know it's one of like the most you know traumatic life events that could happen. But also the fact yeah. that they had all those animals. Like all the animals were okay, but just like worrying about all of their like yeah. animal children. You know, like it just they were they mm-hmm. like made the decision to get married. I feel like in light of that, and yeah, it wasn't well thought out.
0: Yeah, and she essentially had admitted as much uh, in the flower song that. Like you said, the Woolsey Fire card in 2018 and in the Flowers lyrics, she says, We were good, we were gold, kind of dream that cannot be sold. We were right till we weren't built a home and watched it burn. And she has admitted that the fire that burned their house down was a catalyst that ended up pushing them together to finally, like, basically tie the knot. And she said, quote, When you experience what we experience together with someone, it is like glue you're the only two people in the world who can understand. She said in a February 2019 interview with Elle, just months after the pair tied the knot in their intimate ceremony, she said, I would say that losing the house changed us much more than getting married changed us. So it's like, I think they were probably, like you said, they were trauma bonded by that experience. That They're like, what's the next step that would just basically like confirm what we've gone through. And it was the marriage. But I think there was so much going on ahead of that fire Mm-hmm. Where had that fire not occurred, they would have never gone that, gone yeah. that
1: step. Yeah, like, I think it seems like they left the fire and they're like, okay, you and me against the world and, like, you know, got married and then, like, yeah. yeah. Or maybe thought, like, okay, now it's it's all different now. And the fact that they got divorced less than a year later shows that it was not different.
0: And I've heard a lot of rumblings online on demo that – miley's family never approved of liam have you heard of anything i guess two questions have you ever heard that rumor and two uh, do you hold that? do you believe there's any way to that even if you haven't heard that rumor before
1: um i have not heard that rumor um if it's true I'm, i want to say which family members because like tish sure i'll take her opinion seriously billy ray and his like whatever 20 something year old bride to be like I don't take anything he thinks seriously so like amen to that I say like which fit Noah sure I'll take her opinion into account you know but like <laughs> that
0: say, which member, yeah. Which member? <laughs> yeah I I think that I think that she, there was always the speculation or like that I always felt like his family never liked her but it's interesting now to hear that story it goes back to like the entire story I thought to be true based on like public assumptions in the 2010s has now landed its head on the families and how that's now being reversed I always thought that Liam's family never accepted her because of her wild crazy partying ways but now it's like no 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 no. maybe okay maybe if even if that were true the same actually holds true for Miley's family as well like maybe they also didn't believe Miley and Liam to be like OTP but they just supported her happiness and that resulted in them getting married. I just thought that was a really interesting tidbit that I like literally just heard on Tomo like last week that something was happening in that family where they never I mean if anything shows it it's that Christmas photo. <laughs> like it was oh, just yeah. so it's awkward. So awkward. So <laughs> awkward. Um so lastly the one thing is just like obviously with flowers there's allegations that Liam dedicated that I should have bought you flowers like that song whatever that Oh, If I were, Was Your Man. He dedicated that song to Miley. And she sampled, like, his songs to flowers of If I Was Your Man. So she says... uh his the lyrics that Bruno Mars song says if I was your man, I should have bought you flowers and held your hand, should have gave you all my hours when I had the chance, take you to every party because all you wanted to do was dance. Now my baby's dancing, but she's dancing with another man. But now, like her entire flower songs is just in direct response to all of these like points in, in Bruno Mars songs. And there's a lot of unconfirmed fan theories floating around the Twitter sphere claiming that like he dedicated that track to her after they had initially broken up in in 2013 so now i guess it's kind of coming full circle with their relationship with this song flowers that all the rumors were true he was fucking around and finding out what did you feel when flowers and i I guess like when you released your patreon episode about miley was it in response to like flowers coming out or like what was the kind of context
1: um actually no it was um before flowers had come out um i love the song flowers um i know this is not really related to the question um but i viscerally cannot stand bruno mars's music like i just me too i cannot stand him it's like the okay thank god like he's just it's just like the ultimate like corporate it's like meant to be yes! like a movie soundtrack like elevator yes! music and it's like whatever oh you God. know what he's a very wealthy man because of it good for him but I cannot stand it it's like Justin Timberlake like you know like that Justin Timberlake song dance 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 like or whatever it's like that. Yeah yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah like I don't know it's all in that same category and I just ugh. like so um yeah, that just shows you Liam's qual- uh, character that he would <laughs> dedicate that song to her. Also, like, I'm just, I'm, like, triggered by it because I'm just, like, him being, like, oh, I should have been better for you. Like, I, I am so personally triggered by that. Like, I've heard that before in relationships where it's like, oh, I should have, I should have been better. I should have, it's like, well, fucking, well, you didn't. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not here to just, like, improve men's lives. Um. So, yeah, yeah overall um another um point in the like liam is probably trash um you know jar uh but i love like i love the new direction that miley's going with her music like i think plastic hearts was underrated i thought it was great like just her mm-hmm. best like vocal like her vocals just really shine with that genre of music and with flowers i'm just so glad that she's continuing like in that direction
0: yeah oh my god I'm actually still hung up on the fact that you called Bruno Mars's songs corporate that I couldn't describe a better <laughs> way like I'm pretty sure before multiple all-hands meetings at multiple tech companies I've worked at they play that the Justin Timberlake like Bruno Mars before that. the music will start I mean before you know before like the CEO comes on like yeah. that is such a specific like way to describe it I cannot like even wrap my head around that comparison so spot on and i love that you said that just shows you the type of man liam is it's like no he's not dedicating like some beautiful maggie rogers song to her no it's like the most corporate blueprint no. yeah. disgusting if i was your man and first of all, that's not even grammatically correct it's, if i were your man like yeah, shut yeah. up I can't, I can't i can't even stand him like it he triggers me up beyond uh no belief so yeah i think that's just more of a testament To who Liam is, and I'm so happy to see Miley and her her like women empowerment era. And like she looked so I've watched that flowers music video, I'm not even exaggerating, I think five times in a row, like on Repeat, because it was so I was like, I'm just so proud of her for the direction she's taken. And she looks uh, so amazing. Her body looks incredible. She's her vocals are so strong, like I said, so musky, so like kind of dirty and raw. Like I love this direction that she's that she's taken. So as we wrap wrap up. Emily, what are your final thoughts on, like, just Miley? Like, what do you wish – I guess, what do you hope to see for Miley over the next year, over 2023?
1: Um, I just want, like, more of the direction she's going in current. Like, I guess I want to see more of what's currently happening. Like, I'm just – I'm down for it. Like, I feel like she – this is just, like, true – Um, you know, like, she's Dolly Parton's, like, god goddaughter, and I feel Daughter, like that's yeah. never – yeah, and I feel like that's never shined more than, like, in her rock era, even though um to- Dolly's more country, but I don't know. It's just, like, she's just, she's never Sean sh- Sean shined. Shined. Shone. <laughs> shone? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, shined better than, like, just in this current genre, and so I love it. And also, like, I don't know, it, it seems like she just wants to just put on great performances and focus on herself. Like the fact that she did this new year's Eve party and put like everything into it and brought out like Fletcher, Dolly Parton, like all these stars. I'm like, okay, you're giving this like 110%. I'm like, I'm here for it.
0: Yeah. She, I think at her core, she was meant to be a star. Like I, I really do believe that. I think that it would be such a shame to let those vocals go to waste. And she has that star quality. Like you mentioned at the top of the episode, she has this kind of dynamic, sparkly shining personality i'm so excited for her to to leverage this. i feel like over the past couple of albums that she's released they just haven't gotten the attention and like the spark that i think that they deserved and i really hope that with flowers i think this was such a good single to start off with because i think people are people are bought in now i think this really hooked people into like what she's what's coming up next for her unlike other albums have done over the past like decade so i'm excited to see her shine. Thank you so much, Emily, for joining the XMOSL podcast. Where can people find you?
1: Um, you can find me. Uh, I'm, it's become a whole thing on every platform. So, um, that's the name of my podcast, um, TikTok, Instagram, and yeah, that's about, that's about it. And thanks for having me. This was so wonderful. Um, I love your podcast. I love you and what you do. So this was just just, just lovely. Just lovely to be oh, here. thank you.
0: And I I don't, I don't think my listeners know this, but like I am, by the time this episode releases, I'll have come back from like a trip, but I kind of was panicking last night. Today it's 16 2023, but I was kind of panicking last night because I was like, okay, I'm going to be traveling so I won't have time to record an episode. I, no joke, pinged Emily like late at night and was like, will you record this episode with me? She's like, as long as I get it done before this time, absolutely. And like, this is the kind of support that we need in this community. It's people that are willing to jump on a Zoom call with like eight hours in advance. So thank you
1: I so know, much. I know this struggle so well. The late night podcast panic, like, oh my God, the amount of times this yes. happened to me. I can't tell you. So my pleasure anytime. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much. We'll have to have you on again. And definitely cool. you guys check out all of her like the archived episodes. I know that she's, you know, Emily's taking a rebrand. It's a refresh, brand new show, same humor, same incredible. Incredible, incredible host, but definitely check out her episodes. I, I love. I'm gonna plug a few of my favorites. Oh, I love your wellness, the wellness retreat podcast that you did. Just six almonds. Yes, just six almonds. I loved your. You did a Real Housewives recap on Real, like. I think it was Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Yes. That one was incredible. You've done so many UIs. You guys need to check it out, but start with the wellness retreat one. And then also if you're interested, if you're a robe girly, like I am, find the Real Housewives episode and I'll just link it in the show notes, my favorite ones.
1: You're amazing. Thank you so much, Christy.
0: <laughs> of course. Well, thanks everyone for listening. And you know where to find me, at next Snowsall all on Instagram, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. And if you leave anything less than a five-star, as Emily said, just write it in your journal. Maybe mm. it'll come to me through a carrier pigeon, but don't write it on the <laughs> podcast, please. <laughs> well, thanks, guys. Have a good week. Bye. Bye.